Father Mitch Pacwa, and welcome to EWTN Live. Tonight, we wanted to bring the EW family together for a very special EWTN Live program in honor of Mother Angelica, because tomorrow, April 20th, would have been Mother Angelica's 100th birthday. Now, it's been seven years since she went to be with the Lord on Easter Sunday, March 27th, 2016. And we wanted to take this opportunity tonight in a special 90-minute program to reflect on memories of Mother Angelica, her love of Christ and His Church, and our viewers who make up the EWTN family. Before we get to our studio guests, we want to first get some reflections from EWTN Chairman of the Board and CEO, Mr. Michael Warsaw, who is joining us now from our EWTN studios in Rome. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Father Mitch. It's good to be able to join you from Rome. I would have liked to have been able to be with you there in studio in person, but I'm happy that we were able to do this remote connection. You know, milestone birthdays and anniversaries are always great times to look back and reflect on the past. And I think our commemoration of the 100th anniversary of Mother Angelica's birth is one of those times. For me, it's been a moment where I've thought about so many different moments in the decades that I knew and worked with Mother. I was blessed to be able to be with her nearly every day of her last active years with EWTN before her stroke, and to see up close her incredible trust in God's providence. I've said before that if Pope St. John Paul II was the witness to hope, then Mother Angelica is the witness to providence. Her whole life was a witness to God's providence. She not only lived that herself, but she instilled that into the fabric of EWTN. The network itself is a great witness to God's providence. I think this is also a great occasion for our EWTN family to give thanks to God for the gift of Mother Angelica and for her life. She was such a great blessing to all of us and to the Church. I think there's no doubt that the world is a very different place because of her. The Church is very different because of her and because of what she began in EWTN. There is no question that there have been countless souls who have seen and who will see the face of God because of Mother's willingness to step forward in faith and say yes to what God was asking of her. Father Mitch, I know you'll have the chance to talk more about that legacy in the rest of this show, but let me mention one other aspect of this celebration of Mother. Over the past seven years since Mother's death, we've held a Mass every year in Rome to commemorate the anniversary. It's been celebrated at St. Peter's and at some of the other important churches of Rome over the years by prelates that have included the late Cardinal Pell, Cardinal Burke, and others. On Thursday, which would have been her 100th birthday, there will be a Mass celebrated at the Santo Spiritu Church, just a few blocks from St. Peter's and very near to EWTN's Vatican Bureau. That's a significant church which dates to the 16th century. In more recent decades, it was designated by Pope John Paul II as the official shrine of the Divine Mercy here in Rome. Of course, the Divine Mercy devotion was so important to Mother, and EWTN played a key role in spreading the devotion after it was restored. 
The church has a very significant collection of art that includes a depiction of the Annunciation, which is, of course, Mother Angelica's name in religious life, Mother Mary Angelica of the Annunciation. The church also has another significant work depicting the Assumption, which was the day of Mother's first profession in religious life and the date of EWTN's on-air launch in 1981. So the church itself has some very beautiful connections to Mother's life. And that Mass on Thursday will be celebrated by Bishop Stephen Reka, the Bishop of Birmingham. I think all of that will be a fitting tribute to Mother as we commemorate her centenary. And I hope our EWTN family will tune in for that and join us in prayer as we celebrate Mother Angelica. Thanks, Father Mitch. I'm glad I was able to join you for this segment. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael, for those kind words. We also appreciate that you are in Rome representing EWTN at the Mass in honor of Mother Angelica. Now, let's take a short look back at Mother's life and how she wound up here in Irondale, Alabama. Mother Angelica, born in 1923 in Canton, Ohio. Rita Rizzo knew poverty and suffering at an early age. Her parents' divorce filled Mary Rizzo with anxiety and depression, surrounding her six-year-old Rita with fear and isolation, both at home and at school. I think from the earliest days of her life, suffering really helped to form who Mother was. As a child, as a young woman, even into her later days, I think she had a profound understanding and a profound connection of her own suffering to our Lord's suffering. Well, Mother Angelica even said that suffering was her constant companion and that it kept her dependent on God, that she saw it in a very positive light that because she had a variety of different types of sufferings, that in order to cope with it, to rise above it, above it she needed God's strength and it kept her dependent upon God. Then at age 19, a miraculous healing from a recurring stomach ailment opened an entirely new world to Rita. She realized that God loved her personally and profoundly and answered this love by entering the poor Clares of perpetual adoration in Cleveland, Ohio, becoming Sister Mary Angelica of the Annunciation in 1945. If it was a cure that brought Mother Angelica to enter religious life, it would be a serious accident that launched her into a whole new adventure she could never even have dreamed of. The accident was a back injury, which threatened to leave her paralyzed for the rest of her life. The night before her surgery, Mother Angelica made a promise to our Lord. I said, Lord, if you give me the grace to walk again, I'll build you a monastery in the South. The surgery was successful, and in 1962, Mother Angelica and a handful of nuns moved to their new home on the outskirts of Birmingham, Alabama to found the Monastery of Our Lady of the Angels. Thank you and welcome. That is just a wonderful story and it's just a start. We hope to give a lot more of that. But before we do, I'd like to give a warm welcome to our studio guests who are joining us for this special program tonight. Please welcome the Chief Operating Officer of EWTN as well as 
well-known host of Bookmark, Mr. Doug Keck. Also, Johnette Williams, who's the host of William, Women of Grace. And then our EWTN chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thanks for having us on. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And Father. all of you have known Mother a good long time. Uh, Father Joseph, uh, <laughs> you came here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember when you came, you were an engineer, mm -hmm. uh, layman, doing work here. So you knew Mother uh, way back in what, 85? 85, yeah. January of 85. And you know, when I first came to visit Mother and the sisters, I'd never been to Alabama before. You're from? From Iowa. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was a engineer in the medical field up there in eastern Iowa, but Mother was having some technical problems, so I volunteered to come help. And so I arrived here, and Matt Scalise was showing me around. He was the head of engineering at the time. And so we walk into the mail room, and there were two calligraphied signs that Sister Raphael had calligraphied. Mm -hmm. And the one said, we don't know what we're doing, but we're getting good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one said, unless you're willing to do the ridiculous, God will not do the miraculous. But I think that really encapsulated something that Michael said, that Mother showed us how to trust in Providence. Mm -hmm. And that simple faith that the sisters had we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to trust God will get us where we need to go. Mm -hmm. And that simple faith just endeared them to so many people. Yeah, I, one of the comments Mother made frequently is that she had no idea how to adjust the color <laughs> on a TV set, mm -hmm. yet alone run a television network. But right. God called her to do the ridiculous. Yeah. Johnette, when did you first come in contact with Mother Angelica? Well, I think that the first time that I came in contact with her here at EWTN was back in 1987. Mm -hmm. And I had gone to a reported apparition site with a crew uh, that I was able to raise $10,000 to hire, not knowing anything at all about television production or video, mm -hmm. uh, to interview these reported visionaries and to put together a new documentary. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to raise the money to get over there and to get back, but I could not raise any money to do any editing. Editing. Um, I had a beautiful friend at the time, Dion Brown, who was a good friend of mother's, and they chatted on the phone from time to time. And Dion one evening was talking with mother and asked her to please pray for this woman that she knew who had gone to this reported apparition site and had eight hours worth of footage but couldn't raise any money to edit. And Mother Angelica said, well, the reason why she doesn't have any money and cannot raise any money to edit is because she doesn't need it. She can come here and I will make a crew available to her and she can edit at EWTN. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me here. Before I left, I had a meeting with Mother and Mother said to me now, you know, in Mother's characteristic style, she leaned back in her chair and she says, now, what do you want from me? And I said, Mother, I, I don't want anything from you. I just want to express my gratitude, my appreciation for what you've done. You've done so much already. And she says, well, here's what you can do for me. She said, you go back to Florida. You write up a proposal for a television series. Send it up here. And from now on, you'll work with my crew. So I didn't know anything about writing a television proposal, but I had been a teacher, so I knew about a lesson plan. 
So I put together 13 lesson plans for a series <laughs> and sent them up and the next thing I knew here I was and I've been here ever since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Doug, when did you come here and how did you first get in contact with Mother? First time I was here was 1993. I was down at a, I was working in television and media in New York and uh, I had, had made a marriage encounter in uh, like 1989 and a Curcio and it kind of got me back focused on my face. So I started watching EWTN on, on television up on Long Island. And so in 1993 there was a NAB conference, uh, NCTA cable conference and I was able to come back over here from New Orleans and just kind of visit and I started to meet some of the people and when I'd go to the to, to the shows, the cable shows or the broadcaster shows, if EW10 was there I'd kind of get in touch with some people and over a period of time I uh, kind of felt like uh, I was being called in some fashion to come here and, and use whatever skill set I had developed over 20 years in in cable uh, basically to come work here. I had worked for a man named Chuck Dolan of Cablevision of Long Island. Uh, so I worked on American Movie Classics and Bravo and several other channels, regional sports networks, worked with the Mets and the Yankees and, uh, and uh, even the Devils uh, <laughs> and the, uh, which I did, the New Jersey Devils as our audience members would know. Uh, and so, uh, and the Islanders especially. So I, I came down here and uh, you know over a period of time was able to make the move down here. It was a big move from New York. Uh, and, the, and the thing I remember the most was when uh, Michael, had, had, I had come in and he introduced me to Mother and I was talking to Mother and, I, and Mother said, oh, well, we want you to come work for us. And I said, Mother, the one thing I had to tell you is, you know, in amongst everything I worked on, I also worked on the startup of something called the Playboy Channel. You know, and uh, mother said, "Yeah, I know. That's why you're here, honey." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> so that's that's how I ended up here. I'll never forget when one of the cable carriers had. You know, the, we were only on four hours a day when I started in '84, and the cable carrier had EW10 share a cable line, a channel with Playboy. Mm -hmm. And people said, Mother, does that upset you? I said, no. Those boys go to sleep looking at one girl. <laughs> they wake up looking at this girl. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and she said, I've got something as an alternative to what they were watching. <laughs> and she, she had, was always quick. It, the, the element that we see in that, the, the clip we showed a minute ago of Mother's suffering, mm -hmm can't be isolated from her being so spunky. Some mm. might even call a wise guy. <laughs> you know, she, that was just part of her too, and that's what made it fun working around here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you were here and Mother was around, you knew it because there was some laughter going on, yeah. you know, because she always had, uh, she would look at life a little more lightly and she didn't mm -hmm. want us to take things too seriously. Yes, take the Lord seriously mm -hmm. because uh, she had this passion, of course, for the Lord to make him known and loved. But ourselves and human foibles and how she would relate the sisters and some of their <laughs> quirks and so on, that we can take those things more lightly. When you came here in 85, about how many people worked here? So there are about 25. In fact, yeah. we were still using the garage studio. Exactly. And I'm sure you made some programs in that garage studio yeah, <laughs> as well. well. 
my first few years that mm -hmm. the, the, mm -hmm. the studio we're in now right. wasn't even started yet. We were in the garage. And, um, you know, I thought it was about 25 people mm -hmm. and that ran the whole thing. Yeah. And very few, you didn't have television background, did you? No, no, I had a medical no. background, so it and wasn't. a lot of the other guys had, you know, construction worker right. background. But she sort of brought yeah. out. Well, you got the the gentleman who's directing, who's the oldest employee <laughs> of EWGen, Jody <laughs> Copeland, Jody. who yeah. came here uh, as a construction guy, and, and yeah. he's an incredibly talented television person. Yeah, yeah. So she brought that out, and. You, Doug, were here at the, uh, or in cable television, as cable was just trying to right. find out what it's going to be. Yeah, 1976 I started working there, and, and I was there till 96 when I came here. And uh, I think it was an interesting timing uh, when I showed up. Uh, Jeff Cavins had, had just come on board when we were working on Life on the Rock. Raymond Arroyo had just come on and, and we were working on the launching of the, the world over and then we after that Marcus had been on the live mm -hmm. show on the journey home and mother had said we want to do something uh, with, with him and we created the journey home program so it was a lot of things from a television <coughs> perspective and then of course the ongoing shows that that Jeanette was doing and the many other productions we were doing uh, and we were increasing the output of those productions and, and really utilizing the wonderful staff that was already here uh, to produce the kinds of programs that had, you know, converted me and, and had me up. Uh, what I used to do many times, because sometimes the channel was only on at night, I'd videotape the, the, the channel overnight and then I would dub the shows I liked, uh, especially Father Groeschel and Father Rutler, I have to oh, say, man. two of my favorites. Uh, and uh, would put them onto audio cassettes. And then when I was working around the house or mowing the lawn, I would listen to hmm. the programs. I was what Scott Hahn used to call a tapeworm <laughs> in the old days, right? So, uh, but that's how I came here, and I hoped uh, that I was able to use what skill sets. And the one thing I was happy about is that I had worked in all different aspects uh, of media and television. I had worked in radio, I had worked in t Disc Jockey, Radio News, I had worked in Television News, Regional News, News Channels, News 12, Long Island, and all of those channels, sports production, uh, I'd run the satellite uh, facility and overseen the playback facility. So I was really lucky in a lot of the ways. I'd done some on-camera work and voice work, so I'd really done a little bit of everything. So when I came down here, I think it was helpful to be able to bring some of that skill set to all the great work that's been done here over the years mm -hmm. by the great people who've come to work here over the years. Mm -hmm. Another side of Mother was the ability to trust God. I mean, there are lots and lots of stories of how Providence brought together different donors and the needs of the network. But at the same time, Mother was never any kind of a space cadet, just sort of, well, mm -hmm. no, she was very canny. And she started this network right around the same time Ted Turner started CNN. And they both had independently the same idea of giving the network away. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the cable industry, people were charging if you got, if you got a channel, you had to pay extra. Right. 
she didn't do that. She wanted to give it away. In fact, one of the things uh, uh, that was so surprising to so many of my uh, compatriots from New York in the past, they say, well, what's their cents per sub? How much are they charging? When we say it's free. Well, what do you mean it's free? <laughs> well, it's free. Well, how do you survive? Well, people donate money to survive, and they look at you like, could you say that again slowly? <laughs> uh, and, it, and it's that providential, it's uh, of Mother Angelica. And in a sense, I always thought it was great when Mother was always the idea of, you know, God gives us just enough mm -hmm. to keep going. Yeah. Because it, it, and it's mm -hmm. like a suffering or anything else. It forces you to rely on God. Mm -hmm. And it keeps you from getting too pride-filled. I always thought one of the great reasons a network like this isn't in New York and it's not in Rome or any place else is it's in little Birmingham, Alabama in the buckle of the Bible belt, you know, because it shows this could only be God's work. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in fact, you, when you came here, Father, were one of the few Catholics on mm -hmm. staff. That's right. We didn't even mm -hmm. have it. This is not a Catholic mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, we're, what, at the time, 2% yeah. of the population. So, uh, and she had a wonderful relationship with everybody who was yeah. not Catholic. She, mm -hmm. she, mother had great respect and showed that uh, to everybody and loved and did Bible study with everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and folks just came to that, but it was a very small staff. Yeah. And she you know, really got their loyalty. She did, and she would give us a, a teaching on Monday mornings when I first arrived here in the little garage studio. That's how we began Monday morning at mm -hmm. 9 o'clock. We would be on the risers, and then Mother would give a teaching. And I remember the first book that she taught us was her little booklet on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So she was teaching us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I often like to say to groups when they come here, you know, if we had gotten together back in 1981, we said we wanted to build a Catholic network that will reach the whole world, we'd say we'd have to have three things. One, somebody in charge that knows television, has worked in it, has experience. Two, that they've got a lot of money because television is an expensive enterprise. And three, build it in a strong Catholic area. So <laughs> what does God do? He chooses someone who doesn't know the first thing about television. She's got $200 and she's living in the Bible Belt, 2%. Right. And so he chooses her because he wants to manifest it's his work, it's right. his providence. Yes, He's the absolutely. one behind it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, Johnette, you've been doing, in, in some ways there's a theme to the way you've developed the, the work you do here, but it's, it's also had a certain amount of variety to the way you've done it. Tell us a little bit about, you know, becoming part of the EWTN family and, you know, the, the way that you are communicating. Well, initially, I went back, as I said, to Florida and did those 13 lesson plans, and we started with one 13-week television series. Then I was invited back to do another 13-week television series, mm -hmm. and then a third 13-week television series. And then, um, I guess it was about 1993-ish, I would suppose it was, and I had an opportunity to come up uh, for a, a demand performance, basically, to meet with several people to talk about doing something ongoing. And um, 
at that point in time, I, I had already begun to develop a not-for-profit corporation called Living His Life Abundantly, which was a media communications outreach to people. And so the scripture passage upon which that particular enterprise was founded was John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So when it was proposed to me that maybe they, the network would like to have an ongoing television program, they said, what do you think you would call it? And I said, oh, The Abundant Life. So we started with The Abundant Life as an ongoing series, and we did that for 17 years. And then Mr. Keck here approached me <laughs> and said, we'd like to have a women's program, and we'd like for you to do it. And that's when we began to do Women of Grace. So Women of Grace has been on the air now since 2010, actually, Doug. So that's a good long time at this at We're this, still so young. Juncture. It's amazing. <laughs> We're still so young. None of us have aged. Uh, but, you know, I, I was thinking about some of the comments that you've made about Mother, and there's been a, sort of a, you know, a, I, would, I would like to say a, a perspective on Mother that's not really been very much discussed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is coming from a woman now, so I'm looking at Mother mm -hmm. as another woman. And, you know, there's, I don't think that there's anything that is coincidental with God. And Mother's name, her, her name in religious life, you know, uh, Mother Angelica of the Annunciation is very indicative to me of how God would use her. And it's indicative about something with regard to Mother as well. Uh, and we've been talking about her providence. Uh, we've been talking about her capacity to stick with it. Uh, but in light of that, I think there's a, I, I think Mother is stamped with a very real Marian character. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at Mother Angelica, and I don't know how it is that we uh, perceive our Blessed Lady. I think sometimes we have a very saccharine view of her, but I don't. I, I think our Blessed Mother was a very strong woman, and, and the Litany of Laredo suggests that, right? Mm -hmm. We see all of these different characteristics. And if you were to take uh, that, that particular litany of all of these titles of Our Lady, and you were to take all of these descriptions of her, and you put that aside uh, beside Mother Angelica, you would see a lot of the same. You know, Mother had great tenacity. Um, mother was determined that she was going to do what God called her to do, no matter what it cost. And even in that little clip that we saw there, uh, where Mother said, is, is recounting the moment when she said to the Lord, you know, if you heal me, you know, I will go to the deep south. You could see, if, you, if, if, if it was replayed, you would see Mother shuddered her chin out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, and she put it right out there. And it was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You know, with a determination, a tenacity, and a perseverance. And Mother had that great gift of constancy. Yeah. You know, no matter her problems with health, Father, yeah. you know, how many times I would come here and she was in the hospital, mm -hmm. right? No matter the difficulties and trials that she had with raising the funds that she needed or with the uh, kinds of uh, struggles that she experienced through, uh, you know, the ecclesiastical dimension of the church, you know, Mother remained constant. She never flagged. Mm -hmm. I see our Blessed Mother in that. Uh, I see that, you know, the, the reality of the fiat. Mary gave her fiat not just once, but many times. And, you know, I, I like to think about the fertility of the fiat. We say yes to the Lord. Holy Spirit comes, fertilizes it. Something new happens. And that was Mother over and over again, whether it was television and radio, whether it's the other platforms that began mm -hmm. to develop underneath mm -hmm. uh, her watch, you know, just tremendous. And when you, it's still continuing. Mm -hmm. You know, we continue to grow, uh, you know, our Outreach continues to expand. We're international at this point. Only God in heaven knows where he'll take it next. But the fact of the matter is that um, 
you know, I like to look at Mother as a spiritual mother. In her, I see Our Lady, and she gives good guidance to every woman in what it truly means to be mm -hmm. a woman. And gratefully to God, we as Catholics know how to define a woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that that and like Our Lady, the, uh, something that Mother told me uh, years ago. Uh, well, first of all, we knew how much she loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that also had that Marian dimension, mm -hmm. you know, the, her time with him. And she told me that for every hour she did television, she would spend four hours before the Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. She would just take that time because what she said had to be focused on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that was, in fact, with the, the series years ago, uh, her own live program, she said, we're going to talk about Jesus. Right. Right. And, you know, th and that's what she was there mm -hmm. for. But she would also not be very willing to tolerate people who insulted him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she started <laughs> taking them on. In the early 80s, well, you know, the, the or middle 80s when I came, she did not want to address controversies in the church or outside. She just did not want to do that. We're not here to, it'll be confusing. We're just here to explain the faith, basically. But as the world and even some theologians and others turned more and more against Jesus, and she saw the insults, the last temptation of Christ, and many other things. She just got her dander up. Never a good thing to be against her dander. That was never a good idea. And she, uh, she started taking these issues on and, you know, made a huge impact not only in defending our Lord and defending our faith, but also once we started to broadcast Mass, we didn't have the Mass at first. Right. Mm -hmm. That took a few years before that got started. But once she started doing that, her goal was also to counteract the abuses of the liturgy mm -hmm. that people were living with in so many places, by showing a mass that is beautifully celebrated in line with Vatican II, mm -hmm. you know, and prayed. That's what she wanted, that, that we prayed to Jesus and focus on Jesus as we are at mass. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, another very, very big element for her. Absolutely. And I, and I think the mass uh, that, that we have today clearly and I think the music that's been added oh, uh, uh, in many ways mm -hmm. uh, to our own mm -hmm. Father Joseph's efforts uh, really uh, epitomized that. And, and thinking of Mother Angelica just in, in the different facets of kind of her personality, the, 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 one of the things that always struck me the most about her was her humility mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that she was, like you said, very strong. If she felt this is what our Lord was leading her to, to do, she didn't care. Mm -hmm. She'd walk through hot coals. But she was always ready to adjust if somehow one door closed and another opened. It wasn't like, we're going to do this and it doesn't matter what. It became, well, we think this is the way, we're moving in that direction, and 
oh, that didn't work, so we're going to move in this mm -hmm. direction, because I feel now this is where the Lord wants us to move. And I just always thought, you know, that she just had great humility yeah. in, in her willingness to constantly listen to what the Lord was saying on that in that present moment, as she'd always talk about. Mm -hmm. you know? Always open to the Lord. In right. that famous story that Raymond tells about how the first satellite dish came, oh. it arrived here, mm -hmm. and she had to have sixty thousand mm -hmm. dollars to put a down payment on this hundred eighty thousand dollar dish. Right, right. And she told the guys, well, sweetheart, why don't you go here to the parlor and have some cookies and some tea, and I'll go get your money. Well, she went to the chapel and said, Lord, you got to get me the money right now. And she had no answer. Right. Said, well, then I guess you don't want the network. And she would have been okay with that. Now, of course, as she walked out, somebody called the network, well, it's called the convent, and said, I love your books, I want to give you $60,000. Yeah. I mean, she got it right then and there. Right. But she was equal-minded. If we got the money, praise God. If we don't, that's not what Jesus wants. And that was fine with her always. Detachment, it was detachment. Exactly, exactly. Let's take a look at a clip from Mother herself discussing her own self-knowledge and our self-knowledge. You know, I was giving lesson to the sisters the other day, and it dawned on me. I was on retreat Saturday and Sunday, and it dawned on me that self-knowledge is really a friend. It's a friend. And I've been thinking this way for quite a while, and the other day the Lord gave me a dose, a big dose of self-knowledge. And I said to self-knowledge, ah, you're back again. Because we don't understand that to know yourself is the greatest gift God can give you. How are you going to think I'm not? That's okay. I value it more than an ecstasy, if I were to ever have one, or a locution, or even a vision. Why? Because if I have self-knowledge, if I know for sure, and I admit it, that I am selfish, that I, I have very little patience, I, ha I like everything done yesterday. And when all the community here and all the vice presidents realized I was really healed, were they happy? Yeah, kind of. What did they say, though? God help us. <laughs> and she was right. <laughs> Now she could get around even even more than usual, keep up on things. And she really did a lot of, she would walk to the workers and talk to folks and, you know, deal with them quite a bit. Well, prior to her healing, you always knew when she was coming. After her healing, she just kind of snuck up on you, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't hear her. Do you remember but, the uh, fifth anniversary? Were you here for that? Were you part of the... Uh, I was. You were? So... Yeah. 
was that in the new studio? I guess it was in the new studio, perhaps. But anyway, it was the fifth anniversary, and Mother was talking about, you know, I heard some of the, you out there, you said, they'll never make it. I give them six months. Well, to all of you who said such things, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, if we fail, I'll have the most lit up garage in the, you know, in the United States. <laughs> so she wasn't afraid to fail like we were talking about earlier. She was detached from that. It wasn't, you know, what other people thought it was doing his will that mattered to her most. <laughs> and there was another element, too, that she didn't just want to get it done. That she did. But she always wanted to make sure it was done in accord with God's will and God's law. I remember talking about how uh, when they first were trying to buy land here, they made fishing flies. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they yeah. called them St. Peter's fishing flies. And she sold enough of them to buy the initial land, get the down payment, and get this started. But then when they were here, the sisters were roasting peanuts mm -hmm. for the local baseball team. Apparently, one of the city officials said, well, you know, you should toss a little bit of that cash my way. <laughs> he wanted a cut. <laughs> and she looked at him and said, you mean you want me to go to hell? <laughs> For peanuts? <laughs> <laughs> and so she stopped roasting. She'd rather stop and not know what God was going to get mm -hmm. available to her. But that's what led to them writing the pamphlets, mm -hmm. right. giving them away, mm -hmm. and getting donations, trusting God. And that opened her up to media mm -hmm. in new ways. It's was the step-by-step -step yeah. process, but it was keeping within God's right. law, not cheating, not paying off politicians on the yeah. side, because that's the way the world works. No, right. it's the way God works. That was key for her. Well, you, you say that, and the image is always the one foot in the air and a queasy feeling in your stomach, a mother yes. going forward. Uh, that, that whole idea that, you know, it, it's not that she wasn't you know, afraid in her own way. She, her, her courage was that she was afraid and she went forward anyway mm -hmm. because she trusted at the end of the day that the Lord would make this, would make it work out, mm -hmm. but she wasn't always sure of how he was going to make that happen. Yeah. yeah. She, she liked to say, I have a lot of faith in Jesus. My stomach just doesn't know. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but sure, the beautiful thing about her, too, when you look at that, I mean, you realize that, you know, if you go with the light that God gives you in the moment, when it's time for the next step, he'll show you that step. Yeah. But it's an act of faith. I mean, faith is an intellectual kind of virtue. You know, we give assent to it, but it's activated in the will. And when you take that step of faith, it's sort of like a switch that turns on. And, and then God is able to show you the next step. And Mother did that. She kept saying yes over and over and over again and taking that step. She right. says sometimes with a very queasy feeling in this time, right. but taking it. Well, the one thing that I, I know we're going to a break uh, is the idea that I remember when I was a kid, they used to have sermonette on Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. those kinds of shows. Uh, and Lamp Unto My Feet was another program. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I used to always go, I don't know, what, what does that mean? And it, when I came here, then I realized what it meant. It really means that God just gives you enough insight 
basically for your next step. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? That's that right. kind of idea, mm -hmm. right. And she was willing to take it right. that step yeah. by step, not knowing what's next. But what we do know is next is we have to take a little break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes, so please stay with us. Welcome back. We are again with Doug Keck, Johnette Williams, and Father Joseph Wolf. Before we get to some of the comments from folks here, uh, I'd like to just give a little reflection that we pre-recorded with our own brother Leo. I learned a lot from Mother by experience, by watching her. And she would go down to the show about 20 minutes before the show to do her live show, and I was a floor director. And I had to watch her work with the people. She would talk with them. And I could see that she saw Jesus in each person. She saw the uniqueness that each and every one of us was created by God, unique and special. And so as a mother, she would see that each child is different, and she had to love them differently. And so she would see Jesus in each person and love them that way. You could also see her loving God and then talking to the people. She was in union with God, and yet, because she saw Jesus in each person, she was able to stay in union with God and still be working with the people. And so I learned a lot from her by watching her. She also was very funny, and so a good sense of humor. It said that there's no sad saints in heaven. So she, I'm sure she's up there laughing and making everybody laugh. And so Mother Angelica, was a good mother to me. She really showed me a lot. And she would always say, the ST in front of the name is most important, not all the initials after the name. So we're all called to become great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Yeah, she also used to warn about people who looked like they were baptized in pickle juice. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't admire that. We have a caller online. Hello, Kevin. Yes, how you doing tonight? Fine, thank you. What can we do for you? Well, I was just calling. You got a great show on tonight with your three guests, and Mother Angelica was great. She was a very, she was a wonderful lady and a funny lady, and no, and, and always a great sense of humor. He was like the Bishop Sheen of, you know, of EW. She was like the yeah. Bishop Sheen of her show. Right. Yeah, very much so, very much so. She, she really was so, so smart mm -hmm. and so alert and also very funny, mostly because she could laugh at herself mm -hmm. and then everything else was funny too. But thanks, a great comment there. We have uh, someone from our studio audience who will also like to make a comment. Sir, where are you from? Uh, Pleasant Mount, Pennsylvania. Good to have you here. And Thanks what was your comment? Well, about 27 years ago, I believe it's the kitchen, or was a kitchen inside yep. there. I interviewed Mother Angelica for about 15 minutes. I turned to Mother and looked at her. I said, Mother, I really need your help on building the city of God on Mary's land. Will you help me? 
And she looked at me intently and said, I will help you. So we're in the final phase of that right now, and it's pretty amazing because it's a Carmelite monastery that we're going to be, by the grace of God, hopefully building. These were 12 beautiful Carmelites who were in the Brooklyn Diocese, and the Diocese treated them fantastic, but the area is just deplorable. So the Bishop of the Diocese of Scranton has welcomed them into our diocese, Beautiful. and we're going to be building this beautiful Carmelite monastery, which we have gotten underway, but tomorrow is a very important day because the builder has to deal with the EPA tomorrow. So we're coming down to ask Mother Angelica's help at least one more time again. Yeah, Amen. good idea, good idea. Yeah, she, uh, uh, she'll, she'll be praying, that's for sure. Thank you for that story, appreciate it. And I can guarantee you, with the Carmelites spending their time in prayer, your diocese is just going to flourish. And the amazing thing, Father, is that the city of God on Mary's lamb, and Mother Superior Carmel said, the name Carmel means Mary's garden. And I said to her, what better place to have Mary's garden than on Mary's land? Exactly. Amen. Exactly. Thank you, Thank you for that. We also have uh, another clip of Mother Angelica just being not always so serious. So let's take a look at that. I like uh, French bread. I like Italian bread too, so don't get excited, you know. But <laughs> I was so sick yesterday, the day before, and sisters wanted to give you something I could eat, you know, so I gave me this big loaf of sliced French bread about that big. However, the biggest slice was in the middle. Until I put my hand all the way through the loaf. Got <laughs> the one in the middle. E ejected it from the loaf, and I went, psh. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why I said that now, because... <laughs> It escaped me. There was a reason, though. There definitely was a reason. Anyway, we have been created by God, and no one. Yeah, that was it. That was it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> you can tell this is my first day on the show after two weeks, and I'm chit-chatting because I can't think straight. But anyway, we're together. What else matters? Huh? What else matters that we're together? And that we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> we have another caller on the line, Tammy and Kathy from Ohio. Are you there? Yes, we are. Great. Uh, we get two for one on this sale. So what, <laughs> I said the son well, of a used car salesman. So what, what, what do you got here for us? Well, I remember you from Loyola. I was a freshman there. And my mom, EWTN is our lifeline. But we are wondering if a cause is open for Mother Angelica's beatification yet. I'll turn that over to our chaplain, Father Joseph. Yes. And thank no, you, and hello to everybody. Thank you. It's good to, to hear from you again, too, by the way. 
It's wonderful that we continue to receive reports. Some people say they've received favors through Mother's Intercession. Um, but right now, we're in the first stage, so we're collecting those testimonies that people have. But Mike Warsaw told me recently that he's interviewing postulators for the cause. So that's the first step, really, to have a postulator, and then that person is able to move the cause forward and keep it going forward. So that's where we're at. We're trying to get the right person for that, that position. The, the other thing, though, that Mother said that we should never forget, said, you better not canonize me <laughs> right away. You make sure you offer masses and pray for me, because I need it. <laughs> and so she, she was very, very strong on that. Mm -hmm. um, but so we'll keep doing that. But, uh, you know, people are asking for her intercession, a lot of things. We also have Linda in New York. Linda. What can we do for you? Hi, Father Pacwa. I just had to call because how much I love Mother. Uh, and I said before on other talk shows that I had no catechesis in school or very little, and I got catechized by EWTN. But there was a particular story in, that I remembered that I thought was pretty funny. There was a woman who called in, and she said, Mother, Please pray for me. My sister and myself haven't spoken. It was something 30, 40 years. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. What happened? She said, well, our mother had a commode, and my <laughs> sister wanted it, and I got it. And so we haven't spoken. And mother chuckles, and you know how she kind of rolls her eyes, and she says, it's really sad that you two are going to go to hell over a commode. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sad. Did you, did you work it out? Uh, I hope so. Good, 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 good. All right, we have another question from our studio audience. Sir, what can we do for you? Yes, I'm from here in Irondale, Alabama. And I used to work here 25 years ago. I started in 1996, like Doug did. And back in the 90s, when I was down here with Mother, we always saw her with two leg braces and two canes in order for her to walk around. And there was a memorable day in her life in January 1998, where she was back here in her office praying the rosary with an Italian woman who turned out to be a visionary. And the Italian woman had an apparition of the Blessed Mother in Mother's office. And as a result, Mother Angelica was physically healed of being crippled. And the next morning, she came out into the parking lot in front of the, next to the chapel and showed all of us employees she was no longer crippled, came out with no braces, no canes, walking around. And just an amazing day. And I just want to rem remind people about that because a lot of people don't realize and hear about that story much anymore. So. Yeah, oh, that, that was a powerful, powerful right. thing. She was dancing out by the bar. Yeah, by, by yeah. The bar area, right? uh, right. physically dancing. Right. You know, it was, it was and, a... And she, she let me shoot video of all this. I had right. home video of her out in the parking lot dancing. I think it was with Brother Simon at the time and stuff. That's like right. That. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And January 28th, 1998, yes, yes, right? right? And. Uh, I was the superior of the community, the men's community at that time, and I had gone to bed early, and some of the friars were working the live show. So I was half asleep. There's a knock on the door. Father, can I talk to you? 
said, well, okay. So he comes in. Mother was healed. She was healed. She's dancing in the studio, and the <laughs> sisters are crying. And, and I said, well, that's nice, because I was still kind of half asleep. <laughs> so I'm still I'm thinking about this as I'm waking up. But I said, she was healed. So I called the monastery, and it sounded like there was a celebration going on. Yes, mother was healed. So then the next day, she met with the employees. And right. She was showing off uh, her dance moves, <laughs> just the simple ones. Right? And what was great about that, too, I, I remember, because then uh, she talked about it, obviously, and she was on Life on the Rock and mm -hmm. things like that. But after a short period of time, she really didn't want that to be really talked about. She really thought that that mm -hmm. was, could be a distraction, as, as important as it was and what it did. She wanted to make sure the emphasis was on our Lord and Our Lady, really. And she told me that she never asked for a healing. Right. But when she saw the people's reaction, how it stirred up hope in right. them, that she realized that's why God gave it to her. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it wasn't right. going to be a focus. Right. And, and that mm -hmm. was a time where she had a lot of crisis going on right. anyway. Mm -hmm. And that was a great sign of hope from God to her mm -hmm. that was very, very important at right. that moment. There were other good things that came as a result, but that came very nice right. moment. Right, absolutely. We have another caller. We have Tim in Mobile. Tim. Yes, Father. What, what get, do you have for us today? Well, you know, I was, uh, you know, one of the first employees uh, there at EWTN uh, back in 1981. And, um, you know, as I heard that, you know, that gentleman talking about Mother Angelica being healed, it really reminded me of uh, back in those days. It was truly a miracle a day. And there would be some kind of financial miracle that would uh, that would happen almost on a daily basis. And those things, you know, you are aware of because you were there in those early days and uh, doing the telethons and things like that that we did. So uh, that was really a special time. There were times when she had to come and tell you employees, I'm sorry, I just don't have the money to pay you. Yes, that's right. But that's she said she would, but she didn't have it the day that it was due, and the way that y'all stuck with her was because of the love y'all had for her. You know, um, it, it, it was uh, just a, a great sense of loyalty that we had toward Mother, and, um, and you know, it, it, even though that she would say that, um, it, something would happen, you know, in the next few days to where money would come in to be enough to, you know, to pay us. So uh, it was really a fantastic time. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of good camaraderie in, in, in the... And we would play volleyball in the back here because we're all in our 20s. That Tim, I remember him well. He was the first employee that I met, actually, when I came here. And we were all young and just following our mother and what she was doing. And, and we'll pass yeah. over all the stories of the aggressive play <laughs> that the young Joseph Wolf, well, well then Wayne Wolf, that's right. had done and continued right. as Father Joseph. Right. We'll just pass over that right. in complete do. silence. Well, he's a, he's a wrestler at heart. That's, right. that's his background, wrestling. 
<laughs> he wants to join the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> and put them to shame. That's right. <laughs> we have another uh, studio audience comment. Ma'am, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey, Stockton, New Jersey. Great, good to have you here. Thank what can we you. do for you? Uh, well, it's clear that Mother had many natural forces working against her over the years. I was wondering, as many holy people do, if she ever revealed any supernatural forces working against her. Any reflections on that? Hmm. Yeah, she had her own, her, her own battles, and there were times when she would ask us to bless the monastery because there was some activity going on that she sensed was not, you know, there was some, something of the evil one was at work. So there was more than once when as a priest, she would ask us just to come in and to bless the monastery and, or the network. And that's something we continue to do. Mm -hmm. Every year on August 15th, the launch date, we bless the entire facility with the Blessed Sacrament, right. with a procession, because the evil one doesn't like our work, right? And so, but the Lord is always the victor over any of his, uh, his works, so. Yeah, yeah. You know, and certainly in the very early days, way before there was the, the, the convent built, uh, Ku Klux Klan used to drive by and shoot up the convent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they were just, you know, sh they weren't trying to kill anybody. They were just trying to scare folks and shoot shotguns at the door, uh, wouldn't penetrate. It'd be pretty scary for some nuns living in a small building. Um, there are other things like that too, and clearly, uh, and if that isn't demonic evil, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. So there, there was certainly plenty of that going on. We have another little clip. This time it's from another friar, from our Father Dominic. So let's take a look at his comments. As we are reflecting on Mother Angelica's 100th birthday if she was still alive this year and of course she was born in 1923 it brought back an old memory I have from about 25 years ago and I believe it was uh, the night of Mother Angelica's 75th birthday and that night if my memory serves me we had a special live show down at the studio and I remember going into the studio I was there and the studio was full of people and what I found out is that Mother Angelica that night was feeling absolutely awful. Uh, she was sick that night. And of course, I, I think probably the only thing she wanted to do is maybe have a cup of hot tea and go home and go to bed. And yet, uh, she didn't want to let everybody down and she wanted to be there uh, for the people. So Mother Angelica came in and she went on the air and you couldn't tell that anything was wrong. She was in good humor and uh, they had pr prepared a special cake for her. And what it made me think of uh, is that here we have in front of us a credible witness of what it means uh, to carry one's heavy cross of suffering and to evangelize and do whatever is necessary to spread the gospel in the midst of all that pain and suffering. So for me, as I'm reflecting on Mother Angelica's 100th birthday uh, that we have, uh, I found an example of a credible witness of what it means to carry one's heavy cross of suffering in the midst of spreading the gospel. We also have another caller. Hello, Linda. 
Yes, hello. How are you? Fine. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Fort Myers, Florida, but I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Great, great. And what can we do for you today? Well, I just wanted to let you know, Father, um, and I'm very grateful for all the years of watching EWTN. Um, about 20 years ago, I was going through a lot of uh, problems and turmoil in my life. And uh, I was born and raised Catholic, but it, it led me away from the Catholic Church and I converted to Judaism, but all the while I was practicing that faith, I felt like my life wasn't going anywhere and I was miserable and I felt like it was a total rejection of Jesus. And by watching your show all these years, it led me back to the Catholic faith and I'm, I'm very glad to be back home in the Catholic Church. Well, we're better for having you. <laughs> That's for sure. We appreciate that very, very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for sharing that. We have another caller. Hello, Joyce. Hi, Father Mitch. Hi, you're in Des Moines, Hi, Iowa? Yes, sir. Hi, Great. Father Joseph. I understand he's from Cedar Rapids. From uh, Cascade, a little town oh. uh, near Dubuque. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just wanted to call in and share my love and my gratitude for Mother Angelica. She pretty much saved my life um, for creating EWTN. I am a convert to the Catholic faith. My 10-year anniversary was this last Easter, and it has changed my life tremendously. All of you have had an impact in my life, and I thank you all so very much. And I love Mother Angelica. And I have a picture of her in my living room, my entertainment center, and I look at it every day, and I just say thank you to her. Uh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Joyce. You know, stories like yours and many that we all hear as we travel, you know, a lot of us get around and meet people, uh, the, the number of people who were contemplating suicide mm -hmm. and unbeknownst to them, as to how or why they ended up looking at something Mother Angelica was saying, mm -hmm. and it was something that gave them a reason to live, uh, a reason to live for God, and they changed their minds. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. been remarkable to hear these kinds of stories and people coming back to the faith. Uh, this is a tremendous thing. Like to take a look at another clip this time of Mother Angelica talking about holiness, one of her favorite topics. Holiness doesn't mean that you have to perform all kind of miracles, that you have the brightest brain in the world. We have saints that were stupid on an intellectual level. The curé of ours is one. He only got to be a priest because after the revolution, there were enough priests around. He failed everything, almost. And the bishop said, is he pious? He said, yes, ordained. <laughs> that isn't true today. He said, are you pious? Oh, throw him out. <laughs> That's the truth. They're looking for social workers. <laughs> but see, 
they understood that this man didn't have to know all his Latin and Greek. And when he got to ours, he met a little boy, and he said, Son, what direction is ours? And he said, That way. He said, Thank you. You have showed me the direction to ours. I will show you the direction to heaven. And this little boy was a priest. After a while, after he grew up, he got to be a priest, and he, he was so grateful to the curé. See, the curé had an inner knowledge that you can't learn from a book. You can read a lot about the spiritual life, but if you don't live with Jesus in your heart, and he isn't a friend to you, a real, your best friend, one that you can tell anything to and he'll understand. And it doesn't have to do anything with feelings. I feel good if I eat a piece of cherry pie, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean I can be happier because I ate a piece of cherry pie. No, I have to feel good inside because I accept the will of God, no matter what it is. Because my, my whole being must seek God, and your whole being must seek the Lord. We're going to take a little bit of break. We'll come back in a couple of minutes. So please stay with us, and we'll have more talk about Mother Angelica and what she has meant to us, the church, and the world. So please stay with us. Welcome back. We've, we're celebrating the life of Mother Angelica. She would be 100 years old tomorrow, April 20th. And we're here with Doug Keck and Johnette Williams and Father Joseph Wolf, bringing some of our own reflections, but also loving to hear from you. And we have a caller online. Uh, Karen, are you there? Yes. Hi, Father Mitch. Hi. Where are you from? Uh, well, I'm calling from Washington State. Uh, nice. But at one time, I lived in Rochester, New York. And I um, discovered Mother in, uh, on TV, uh, my first cable with EWTN in 1992, and fell in love with her immediately and um, loved her for her wit and all of her Italian stories and um, just 
and then a couple years later, you and Mother came to Rochester. That's right. And I was able to meet you at a local parish for a talk and just a book signing. And so I always brag to my friends that this is my uh, the one future saint that I've met. <laughs> yeah, those so thank you. Thank you all for hosting this uh, lovely tribute to Mother. She was absolutely instrumental in my formation. Uh, I could uh, start to cry. I just love Mother so much. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much thank for you. calling us, Karen. I appreciate that very much. Mm -hmm. And we also have an, another question from our studio, or comment from our studios. Ma'am, where are you from? I'm from um, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Good to have you. Yes. Welcome. We're a Catholic affiliate radio, actually. Oh, well. So Mother Angelica has been great to change our lives and give us, you know, a little piece of staying on mission with the um, efforts of EWTN. But we hear from all these listeners, people that watch TV, people that listen on the radio, and how their lives have been changed. And we're all over the map. We're all over the world now. She had this magical ability to make us feel like family, like we lived right in the community. So that, that was one fabulous thing about her. But more so, I'm thinking, how life-changing must it have been to be working right here on the property, from being the contractors to the workers to caretakers to all those things? How, Mother, did you witness or can you give witness to how was it life-changing for these people who many were not Catholic, as you said? Yeah, well, you had well, the story about well, Tim. One, yeah. one story, the, the gentleman who called in uh, a little while ago that had been one of the construction workers to help make the garage, and then he also, with Jody and others, had stayed on afterwards and learned how to run the cameras. He was very happily uh, a Christian man. Um, went over to one of some of the local uh, charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, but he himself, you know, grew in his spiritual life, as many did, knowing her, and he himself has also become Catholic and has been living a, a good Catholic life for a number of years now. So he'd be one. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, I can think the, of uh, some employees, you know, Mother would somewhat joke about the fact that their prayers, she and the sisters, would help infertile couples become fertile. Right. And mm -hmm. they were known for that. And there's some couples that uh, are here at the network who were not having children. And they asked mother to pray, the sisters to pray. And now they have some beautiful children. Mm -hmm. So just one little humorous story re related to that. One time I was in the chapel and there was a father there with his little boy, Ignatius, he said, he said, we're here because we had been childless and we asked Mother and the sisters to pray. And there was some connection with the feast of Ignatius of Loyola, so we named him Ignatius. He said, now we have five children, so we've come to ask the sisters to stop praying. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he was joking. You know? yeah. He was delighted with his children. <laughs> so cute. But there were other folks I knew here um, certainly can't mention any names, but they had trouble in their marriages. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there had been infidelity, a spouse had left. They would talk to Mother and she would really help them work through that crisis or deaths or taking care of sick relatives. Uh, she 
besides mm -hmm. running the network, she really had this, uh, what we'd call today a pastoral ability mm -hmm. to help people dealing with lots of problems. And they would, she'd be welcoming people who worked here to come in her office and talk, mm -hmm. to, sure. talk to her. Mm -hmm. so we have another caller online. We have Mary in Illinois. Mary, what can we do for you? I just wanted to call and tell you that I'm, I call myself an EWTN junkie because <laughs> I saw his mother since she went first on TV. And I have to thank you all for being where you are, doing what you do, because if it wasn't for EWTN, my husband, who was a convert to the state, but still didn't know about Our Lady. It was through EWTN that he finally said, Honey, I finally get Mary. And I said, What do you mean? And he said, Well, I finally understand. I always be Catholic. Even though he's Catholic, he calls it always. Love Mary so much. He learned that from EWTN, from watching why we love Mary so much. And so for that, I'm so eternally grateful. And all my children, I've got 36 grandkiddies. And Seven living children, and thank God they all have a faith in God, and they think a lot of it has to do with seeing me learning and daddy learning, too, from EWTN. So just thank you, and God bless you all. Bye. Thank you very much for calling. I appreciate that a lot. Um, that these are the kind of things that, mm -hmm. again, we, we hear so often, especially in this this last 50 years or so where catechesis had gotten weak yes. in many places. So we're glad to be available. Bring it right into your homes. We have another comment from our studio audience. Ma'am, where are you from? I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. And, what and have, excuse me, Father, yeah. um, have enjoyed all of your jokes and <laughs> the audience's jokes about our food and our bread and our culture here in Alabama. <laughs> so not everyone here is from the North. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And you have a very special con connection with Mother Angelica. Yes, Father. Um, I'm humbled to say that I had the honor, the privilege, but most of all, the greatest blessing of my life as one of Mother Angelica's caregivers. And in that regard, um, I would like to speak on behalf of all of her caregivers um, to share with you the immensity of the blessing of being there with her um, in her times of suffering, in her times of no voice, um, of no movement, basically, of, of being able to be in the presence of a living saint. Mm -hmm. And it was so clear that she was just that, a saint among us in the time that we all cared for her. Mm -hmm. That said, I must say, um, her nuns, Mother Angelica's nuns, um, were actually the most amazing caregivers of all. Um, night and day, often with very little sleep, uh, often sleeping nearby her bed in her cell, uh, just to care for her, just out of the devotion and the dedication 
that they had, especially for Mother Angelica, but more so for God's mission for their life. Uh, it was beautiful to witness. Um, I would say one of my favorite times. Um, I had the honor of, of being there often on Sundays. Um, and so Mother had, I almost called her mom, because <laughs> it, she made everyone feel as though she was their mother. Uh, but very often, Father Joseph would say a private mass for Mother Angelica in her room. Um, and Sister Gabriel was typically the nun that was there with her, um, sometimes others. But I, had, I was so blessed by that time. Uh, other priests, other friars were there as well. But it was such a blessing to know that here is Mother Angelica, and I am the most unworthy servant, and I am there in her room, and we're celebrating Mass all together as a community, uh, the body of Christ. There really are no words. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Those are great memories. And a number of the caregivers, they wanted to see the places where Mother had lived in Canton, Ohio, said, Father, will you take us there? So I think Cindy went with us and Dr. Celia and others who were taking care of Mother over those years. Mm -hmm. And it was a wonderful trip that we had. We stayed at the monastery where Mother was for a time in Canton, Ohio, before she came to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. We saw the area where she grew up, and I think Tim Timken roller bearing is still there, I think. And so just so grateful for the witness of the caregivers like Cindy. Thank you. I think one of the funniest, to close, one of the funniest uh, stories I have about Mother, when I first began caring for her, one of her nurses escorted me into the room. And of course, I proceeded to cry I think for the next two hours, it was so overwhelming to be again in her presence uh, at that time in her life. So she, when she awoke, I was introduced to her and she could not use words, she could not speak, but boy, could she communicate. Yes. And she, she looked at me as though who had they drug in now? <laughs> Did they have to scrape the bottom of the barrel? And so for the next five visits, I received the same look. Um, and, and I thought it was humorous. I was, she's right, I felt so unworthy. But then by visit number six, um, one of the sisters woke her up and she turned over and looked at me and gave me the biggest smile that I've ever received from anyone, mm -hmm. glowing and happy, and I knew then <laughs> that it was okay that I was there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. you know, I used to, go, I still get around a bit, but I'd go give a lot of talks, and people always would ask, how's Mother Angelica doing? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, well, she can't speak, and she can't get out of bed, but like most of the females of our species, she still has the look. <laughs> we uh, uh, have, uh, first of all, any final thoughts? We just have a couple of minutes left uh, here. Any final thoughts, Johnette? 
Well, you know, uh, I, I would simply say that we have been blessed, tremendously blessed, by Mother's Fiat. The world has been blessed by Mother's Fiat. Mm -hmm. And I continue to ask people to pray for her cause, to pray f for her, and to ask for her intercession, which I do every day. Yeah. I, I would think for, for myself, uh, the, the thing that I saw in Mother Angelica and, and working here, you know, for a period of time alongside her and uh, is to, and getting a better understanding of the concept of redemptive suffering. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's no wasted suffering, that mother's own suffering, you know, uh, was offered up uh, for everyone in the church, for the employees and family. And I think that would be the other part I would say here is that when mother talks about family, she's really talking about family. Mm -hmm. uh, the people out there, those are, everybody was her family. and and. That was a sincere, sincere uh, appreciation of the people who supported the work of EWTN. And for the people who worked here, uh, you know, I used to always say that, you know, when people would say, you know, it's a family, I say some people would think uh, that means it's easier, but it's more like a Greek diner, you know, <laughs> up in New York, where, you know, if you're part of the family, especially if you're working, a mother expected. You're doing this for Jesus, and you're doing this for your family, and that means you work even harder for the Lord. And that's what she did. And we know in, the, in Raymond's book where she talks about the last thing she'd want is to go and realize that she didn't do everything she could mm -hmm. for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Father Joseph. You think about the longevity of the employees who've stayed here, like Doug and Jeanette and yourself. and. And, Jody, uh, Jody, right, and right. so many Roger, of the, Roger, Roger right. Fred, and, uh, Fred Williams, Fred Williams, mm -hmm. and there's a loyalty there because mm -hmm. it's something more than just a job, right? Mm -hmm. it, it was a mission, and Mother helped us to see that—that that we too, that the Holy Spirit would use us too. And I often like to say she didn't micromanage; she oversaw. She, if she didn't like something, she'd let you know. <laughs> but she also believed that the Holy Spirit would use you and your gifts, and that you had to be a person of prayer. That's why she gave us these lessons mm -hmm. to the crew, because she wanted us to be prayerful people who could be guided by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, no, this is, this is true. I think, you know, that uh, people we know, like Munzee mentioned, Philip Golden, and Philip so Golden. many yeah, others right. who have yeah. been here for 40 years or more. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's uh, that itself is an indication of the love that Mother Angelica was able to evoke mm -hmm. from people, not only for herself. It wasn't, you know, she didn't want you focused on her. She wanted you focused on Jesus, but because she wanted you focused on Jesus, you couldn't help but focus on loving her too. Yeah. Because she was selfless. And I think the thing that young people look for today, she had authenticity. Mm -hmm. Yeah which means what you see was what you got. Right. And that was on stage and off stage. There was no difference. Right, absolutely. The, what no. you saw, the way she acted on stage, was exactly the way she was mm -hmm. off stage. Yeah. Right. That, was, that was just mother. 
There's a beautiful quote uh, that uh, Pope St. Paul VI gives us, and he says, people today listen more to witnesses than to teachers, mm -hmm. and if they listen to teachers at all, it's because they are witnesses. That yeah. epitomizes Mother. I think that that is a great way to summarize Mother Angelica and what she was able to do. Uh, again, with $200 in the bank, <laughs> but a lot of faith in Jesus. Amen. You know, this has all been possible. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, none of us were there 100 years ago, but, you know, it's been part, she's brought us into that life in so many ways, and it's a real pleasure for us to be able to celebrate this. Right. Father, we're coming to the end of this program, and I'd be delighted if the both of us would give a blessing. As a matter of fact, why don't you lead it? Father, we thank you for the witness of Mother Angelica and what she has meant to each of us because she led us closer to your son, Jesus. And we pray that we too may fulfill our, the mission you have entrusted to us faithfully perseveringly until the end. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you all for being with us. Thank all of you and all of you viewers. And I couldn't conclude without Mother's tagline, keep us in between your gas bill and your electric bill, and we'll be able to pay all of our bills too. God bless you all, and thank you for joining us in this celebration.